Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Minogue from OpenView's expansion team, where I help software startups accelerate their revenue growth to build long-lasting companies. This season on Build, we're talking about product-led growth. Each week, I'll speak with tech executives and founders to hear firsthand how they've leveraged a product-led growth model to put product at the center of their acquisition, conversion, and expansion strategies. Now on with the show. Retention is the backbone of a SaaS business. Today, we're talking about how to leverage customer success at a product-led company to not only hit, but surpass your retention targets. You'll learn why to invest in customer success and how to create happy customers at scale. I'm joined by the General Manager of the U.S. and VP of Customer Success at Typeform, David Apple. David, welcome. (laughs) Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Of course. So as you know, today's episode is going to be about retention and how to create happy customers. But before we get into that, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us how you got into the world of software? Sure. So my name is David Apple. I am French, American, and Israeli. Before getting into tech, I actually studied mechanical engineering and worked as a mechanical engineer for eight years. And I only got into tech after my MBA. I started in implementations, which was a nice mix of my technical engineering background and kind of business learnings I got in my MBA. And then I evolved into sales and now customer success. Great. And I'm sure many listeners out there have had the chance to interact with Typeform. But can you share a little bit about you know what Typeform is and its go-to-market strategy? Sure. For those of you who don't know, Typeform is an online form and survey solution. And what makes us different is that Typeforms tend to be more conversational and more engaging for the respondent. And as a result, our customers tend to get more results and better results because the respondents are more engaged. You asked about our go-to-market. So Typeform has a freemium business model. So most of our users use us for free. We have about 3 million users since we began. And those customers who pay don't actually pay us that much. Our average ARPA is around $40 a month. And we have uh, a little bit over 40,000 paying customers. Most of those are SMEs. Great. And you've been there for a couple years now. So tell us how your role has evolved and what teams you head up now. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been at Typeform for ages. <laughs> it feels, uh, <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been four years. I was actually hired to be in charge of sales. That was my background prior to Typeform. And pretty early on, after about three or four months, I switched from sales to customer success. Then I became in charge of customer success and sales when we rebuilt a sales team. And now it's customer success sales. And I just moved to San Francisco to open our our U.S. office as our general manager U.S. So that's how my, my roles evolved. Great. So let's dive deep into customer success. How did Typeform know when was the right time to invest in customer success? Great question. I think we got lucky in that our founders went to San Francisco. So we're, we're based in Barcelona. I didn't mention that at the beginning. Our founders went to San Francisco to a conference and learned for the first time about this new kind of trend of customer success. And it was very relevant for the challenges that we were facing because Typeform has grown mainly through virality. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with Typeform, <laughs> you'll know that at the bottom of a Typeform, there's a Powered by Typeform little button. So when people enjoy the experience of filling out a Typeform, they can click on that and then sign up and create their own Typeforms. So about 60% of our new business every month comes from that viral loop. And as a result, our challenge, especially in the early days, was not so much to generate more signups because virality was taking care of that. Rather, our challenge was retaining those people who came through the door and making them successful and keeping them around. 
So when they came back, when our founders came back from that conference, they asked me if I'd be interested in moving away from sales, which relatively speaking, wasn't making a massive impact compared to our viral loop and rather focusing on customer success and trying to drive retention. In our case, focusing on retention kind of kills two birds with one stone by making our customers more successful and keeping them around longer. They end up driving more virality as well. So it ends up driving more new business as well. Definitely. So for us, it was kind of a, a no-brainer to to invest in customer success uh, pretty early on. Sounds familiar to a lot of SaaS businesses. So what does the customer success org structure look like today? It's actually a pretty big organization. It's structured into six different teams. So we have support, education, customer experience, what we call customer outcomes managers, which is similar to CSMs. We have sales and operations. And for a little while, I was managing all of those directly, which drove me close to burnout. <laughs> and, uh, and so fortunately for me, we now have uh, two directors. So we joined support and education together under a director of customer care. And we joined customer experience and our customer outcomes manager under a director of customer engagement. I mean, it's certainly a robust team to have under the CS umbrella. And you also mentioned sales is under there as well. So it's definitely unique that sales is under CS. So how did that happen? And how do you think about the benefits of having both sales and CS tightly intertwined? The sales happened really by coincidence. And it was basically because I had a sales background and nobody else really at Typeform at the time did. They just said, hey, Apple, that's me. (laughs) Would you build out the sales team? At the time, we were thinking this is not going to be sustainable. At some point, sales will break out into its own org. But for now, it just makes sense for me to build it. That said, if I were to do it all over again today, I would probably do the same thing. And I'm really glad that sales is part of customer success. There's a lot of benefits of having sales in CS. And also something we did a little bit differently at Typeform is that our sales team is not commissioned, which... I think removes a lot of that negative incentive of trying to close deals when maybe it's not the right solution for the customer. So we're more focused on keeping customers around for longer. In fact, we only measure or we only account for the revenue coming from the sales team if the customer is still around after two months. I think there's a lot of benefits, but I don't want to bore you too long with all of them. (laughs) But uh, yeah. No, it's a unique perspective and but makes a ton of sense just given Typeform's business. So what does sales mean for you guys? Is it all helping inbound leads move down the funnel or does it include outbound? So our sales team is all inbound and inside sales. So basically they're kind of like an enablement team. They're customers come in that are interested in Typeform and our sales team helps them make that buying decision. One thing that's nice about that and also what I said earlier about them not being commissioned is that they're not trying to, you know, input themselves just to be able to claim that they are generating more revenue. So the example I have is we were launching our team feature and we wanted to have, well, product suggested that the sales team speak with everybody who wants to go for a pro plus with 10 seats or higher has to speak to a salesperson. And the sales team came back to them and said, that doesn't make sense. For some cases, they probably want to speak to us and they can self-select and speak to us. But for a lot of other cases, they don't need to speak to us. So why would we force ourselves into that process when we're not adding value? So I thought that was a really nice difference. Whereas in a traditional sales team would say, excellent, that's more revenue that I can claim under my, you know, at the end of the month. So Definitely. Yeah. And then how about the education team and the CX team? Can you explain to our listeners what those two teams cover? Sure. Education 
is responsible for our help center. Their goal initially was to drive self-service and ticket deflection. And they did that by analyzing our support tickets, uh, analyzing the feedback we get from other sources, uh, looking at the visits to the help center, and then prioritizing which articles to write or to improve, or which videos to create, etc. And we realized that, coming back to retention, a lot of our churn is not actually due to people being unhappy with our product, but rather with people successfully completing a project and not having an idea of what to do next. So our education team is also in charge of inspirational content to inspire our customers to do more than the use case they initially came to Typeform to do. So that's the education team. The customer experience team, the name doesn't really describe necessarily extremely well (laughs) what they do. They're kind of like a hybrid of two things. On one hand, they do all of our research. They do our internal customer voice where they aggregate data from support tickets, from NPS, from our churn survey, from sales calls, et cetera, and aggregate that all together to to generate insights. And on the other hand, with those insights, they generate campaigns to proactively help customers achieve their goals. So basically, they're trying to anticipate where customers are having problems and help them out proactively before the customer even reaches out and says, hey, how do I create a better quiz? Well, they've already received an email saying, here's some best practice on on how to create a great quiz. That's great. Does that make sense? For sure. So many businesses know they want to offer this one-to-many or tech touch, as you mentioned, and then also offer a higher touch white glove type of service as well. So how do you know where to draw the line between those two segments? Great question. So the way we segmented our user base is based on, really it's based on the revenue that we get from customers. So for the lower tier customers, we have our customer experience team that does everything one-to-many, what we call tech touch. And then on the opposite spectrum, we have our customer outcomes managers that deal with our highest value customers. They do the high touch one-to-one. And when we think about high touch, and when we think about especially where our customer outcomes managers spend their time, We're always looking at the ARR to customer outcomes manager ratio to make sure that we keep that within whatever range we think is reasonable. Our ARPA is relatively low, so our ARR to CO ratio is a little bit lower than what I hear in my colleagues in enterprise companies, which tends to be higher. But that's something we're always optimizing for. And then what we're also looking at is what impact they're able to make on which customers. So we have kind of a a hybrid group between the CX and the CO team where we see a customer has an opportunity for expansion or reactivation, and we may engage with them in a one-to-many way so that that's still low cost, but then we'll offer them the ability to reply to us and have it be become a one-to-one engagement. So if a customer is ready to expand, then we're willing to get a one-to-one conversation with them. That's great. So another topic I want to hit on here is metrics. There's a lot of different retention and churn metrics you could look at. So how do you think about measuring the broader success of your team? That's a great question. And we have a lot of, well, as you you said, there's six teams and they each have different KPIs that they're working towards. One of the biggest insights I have learned about metrics is that when I took over the customer success team, I was eager to own you know, a KPI. Like in sales, you always own new biz and I wanted to own net retention. At the beginning, that was great and it was very engaging for the team. But after a while, I realized that I think that actually did more harm than good because other departments saw 
customer success or solve retention and just said, I don't have to worry about retention because customer success is going to deal with that. And when I tried to bring up projects that required collaboration with product or with marketing, it would be hard to get them to prioritize it because retention was not one of their KPIs since it was our KPI. So that has since changed to the whole company owning retention. And my role is more as a champion of retention. So I still analyze it and report on it. But then we all work together to try to drive retention. That's a great point. We often hear that retention is truly driven by multiple departments. So it makes sense that it's certainly a cross-functional effort. The other thing as you think about metrics is retention is obviously a lagging indicator. So it really gives you a good indication of how cohorts of customers are doing. But it's also important to be thinking about predicting how certain cohorts will do. So does Typeform look at leading indicators? And if so, how did you think about developing those? Yeah, great question. The fact that churn is a lagging indicator has been tough to explain to some people who have a little bit less experience with SaaS because they're like, well, what was the impact of your campaign on retention? And it's like, well, we shouldn't be looking at retention because we'll only know if that had an impact six months later or three to six months later. And that's only if we A-B tested it properly. So that's been a little bit frustrating for me (laughs) going from focusing on new biz to focusing on retention because new biz is much more like quick gratification, whereas retention is a lot harder. Certainly. As you said, what we've done is we've instead focused on the leading indicators. And we're lucky we have a great data team at Typeform that's given me and us a ton of insights about what behaviors are driving people to to succeed and to stick around. So we found that the leading indicator that's most highly correlated to retention is the number of Typeforms that a customer created. And that's part of, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, that's we do a lot of campaigns in CX to try to attract people to try more use cases. And we have the inspiration part of our education team to do that. We also see that, for example, the more paying features that a customer uses, the less they're going to churn. Almost any account that uses a team feature, they never churn. Customers who use our integrations don't churn. So we know what behaviors we want to try to drive with customer success through those leading indicators. And then we can see, well, this campaign helped X percent more people create an integration or create a new type form. And even though we don't see the financial impact, we know that kind of in the long run, it'll have a financial impact. There's one other thing that I thought was interesting because those things are nice at a kind of a more macro level. But then for our CO team that that does all the one-to-one, we were looking at leading indicators for them. And that's a little bit harder because they have a smaller portfolio of customers to work with. And what we actually found was having a kickoff call was one of the best indicators of whether or not a customer was going to stick around which has nothing to do with you know what they're doing in the product. So I thought that was interesting. And that's one of our KPIs for our customer outcomes management team is what percentage of their customers they actually manage to get on a kickoff call with. Because a lot of those customers expand just on their own to get to the higher price point where they get the customer outcomes manager. Interesting. So that initial sort of day one kickoff call is important and sets the stage for the rest of their trajectory. Exactly. So as you think about your happiest customers or maybe the ones that have expanded the most, what do you think actually makes them unique? I mean, you hit on some of those leading indicators, but thinking about the customers in particular. We actually did quite a bit of work to try to understand why our customers love Typeform. <laughs> and it turns did you out send that... them a Typeform to ask them? Of course. <laughs> How else? <laughs> it turns out that a lot of people love Typeform, not necessarily because of the, maybe what 
most people would expect out of their product. Like they love certain functionalities, but it's rather the fact that with Typeform, they're able to kind of show off their design skills and their brand, and they're able to put themselves forward in a better light than with other kind of more boring looking forms and surveys. So that was a really interesting exercise. And that's what makes people love our product. Such an interesting point. Yes, because I feel like as companies build out their solutions, they're constantly thinking about just like feature functionality, you know, how can we set ourselves apart, but thinking about Mm -hmm. just like the overall experience and design that not only your customer is going to interact with, but then their customers are going to interact with are important. Exactly. We follow this framework called jobs to be done. Mm Mm-hmm. We didn't invent that. You can Anybody can Google that. And what we found is that our customers have a functional job to be done, which is collecting data from their users, and an emotional job to be done, which is you know building their brand and their audience, et cetera. And we're particularly strong on the emotional job to be done. Great point. So you mentioned this earlier, but Typeform is now in multiple countries. You guys have scaled to become a global platform. And I know you're helping to lead the charge building out the U.S. team here. So tell us a little bit about leading a team in a remote office. How do you keep your teams in sync with those who are in Barcelona? Great question. I'm still learning that. (laughs) It's, it's, It's only been four months that I've been in San Francisco. So far, we haven't had any kind of major communication or alignment problems. What I can already sense is that one of the things that's a challenge from here is influencing the strategy in Barcelona from San Francisco, because I get less face time. I mm-hmm. don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I don't get like the hallway conversations that I used to. And therefore, sometimes things come up and surprise me already. Whereas before, I would already know that, that something's coming for, for a little while. So for me personally, that's what I've noticed so far. If we speak again in a few months, I'm sure I'll have a lot more <laughs> challenges to share with you. Well, any advice for a startup who is maybe just launching their second office? given that you've you've had the opportunity to do that and you're at least a couple months in? Yeah. The best advice I can give is do a lot of networking. We had a certain approach to how we were going to enter the U.S. market. And I came to San Francisco with that kind of strategy in mind and spoke with a lot of people from a lot of other startups who have already kind of been there, done that, and expanded internationally. And they basically explained to me the flaws in the way <laughs> in my thinking <laughs> and helped us come up with a better plan of uh, how to set up things uh, in the first place and how to hire the right people and how to avoid spending money where you don't need to and stuff like that. So th- the best thing to do is to speak to people locally where you're thinking about going. And I definitely learned a lot from the people I spoke with. That's great. So I've got one more question for you. For companies who are listening in and are now bought into the importance of customer success and are going to be building that out for the very first time, what is your number one piece of advice for them? Hmm. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it and don't look back. Yeah. I think if there's only one thing, and this is kind of cliche, but it's it's the truth. It's about hiring the right people. That to me is, has been the, the reason we've done well in, at Typeform and our customer success team is uh, I'm fortunate to have an amazing team that does a great job and that I can trust. And so I would say the number one thing is hiring a great team. If I were to give a couple other tips, I would say data. I think, as I mentioned earlier, those leading indicators really helped me understand where my team and I needed to focus. 
So it helped us go from being reactive to being proactive and to be very focused on what we're trying to achieve. So I would say try to give your customer success team access to the data they need. And the third part is also around collaboration. So I would make sure that, as I said earlier, you know, retention being a team effort. And I think everybody needs to have that in mind and make sure that when they're setting up a customer success team, they're not, you know, basically that they're making sure that product and marketing are on board with whatever targets and goals you're setting for the customer success team. Certainly customer success, while it describes a team, it's definitely a company-wide initiative. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, thank you for joining us and telling us a little bit about the Typeform story and the day-to-day initiatives you guys are tackling. I really appreciate the perspective. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can subscribe to our newsletter that is sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators and founders every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Or you can follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture. Until next time.